Welcome to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. A podcast created to help the next generation and the parents and influencers who love them. And now on to today's show. Well, hey friends, welcome back to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. My name is John Malstead and I am one of the pastors here at Northbrook. And today I am so excited to have Northbrook's newest pastor on staff. Uh, Pastor Jenny Heckman is with me and uh, she started uh, about a month ago and it's been so great to have her on staff, but I'll let her tell you a little bit about herself and then we'll dive into today's topic. Thanks, John. It's really an honor to be back on the podcast and um, a lot of fun to be doing this as a fellow pastor and not as a guest speaker. I've said that a couple of times um, other places. Um, I own a private counseling practice that I've had for about 11 years and up until a month ago was doing that full time. Prior to that, I was a pastor for about 19 years at various Brook churches Um, and just given a really nice, good, long history with Northbrook um, and an open position, God just wove a lot of things together to bring me here and it's been very exciting. And outside of this, I'm the mom of four adult children, um, have a couple of sons-in-laws already, looking forward to grandkids, um, and married to a great husband, Mark, for 32 years, who's also a pastor. It is wonderful to be here. Well, we are so so excited to have you on staff, Jenny. And um, as I was thinking about the topic that we're going to uh, dive into, I, I was so thankful to know you and know that you would be such a great person to have on the podcast. Um, the past the past few years, but especially the past five or six months, it's just been on my heart to help uh, parents who are divorced or separated navigate uh, parenting well. And I know that brings an extra layer of difficulty. And so as, as I was praying about how we can resource and help those parents I thought it would be uh, great to have you on the podcast to share your wisdom. I know you have um, some thoughts and some some best practices. And so the goal here is to, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions and um, let you share your thoughts with parents uh, of divorced or separated uh, homes and um, hopefully encourage and equip them as they continue to love and disciple and, um, and parent their children. Great. All right. So uh, first off, first question for you, uh, for parents who have decided to separate or divorce, um, what are the best child-focused recommendations for the divorce process? Mm -hmm. The best child-focused recommendation actually comes out of the world of family mediation. A lot of um, what I'll be sharing today comes out of that field. I had the opportunity a few years ago to get certified as a family mediator and um, just learned a tremendous amount um, that's really helped my work in particular with parents and their co-parenting. So what I'm going to share here comes directly out of that, but I'd also say the clinical world and the world of the church would would confirm um, these best practices. The goal, if it's possible, is to utilize the least amount of litigation possible. Okay. And what that means is that 
you don't want to rush a divorce. And in the state of Wisconsin, there's a 120-day waiting period, which is actually quite wise um, in the legal system to build that in because we want to give parents and children an adequate time to adjust to the idea and the reality that this is happening. Mm -hmm. So that's built in. But of course, there are variations among um, couples when they're making this decision. But the rule of thumb, the ideal actually, is that couples would choose mediation. And normally, there's somebody who's certified as a family mediator, but part of that training is that a mediator is actually also equipped to do all the paperwork with the couple mm -hmm. that the state of Wisconsin requires. But the focus of the mediation is on empowering parents to develop co-parenting plans. Okay. And it's also built in that this mediation process is all about the child or the children involved. Mm -hmm. Normally, when couples decide, even if they decide to use an attorney, um, but when, when things are highly contentious or conflictual, normally what happens is there's more than one attorney involved. The focus becomes how does one or the other get everything they want and need financially, mm -hmm. um, even in terms of placement and custody. And so the focus becomes the battle yeah. between the soon-to-be exes rather than the best interests of the child. So mediation is solely focused on helping parents who are divorcing focused on the best interest of the children. We also know that the longer and more contentious a separation or divorce is, we're talking GALs get involved, child specialists, psychologists, the longer this goes on, the more conflict and also trauma this passes down to not only the parents, but to the children involved as well. So the rule of thumb is the least amount of litigation possible. Yeah. And the ideal is to find a family mediator. The other thing is um, mediation is far less expensive than going the normal litigious um, route mm -hmm. and there will also be some really good law firms in the area that so want to encourage mediation they're not about you know hours build and that type of thing they really take up the spirit of mediation and they will offer a flat rate <laughs> to couples who are willing to go through that mediation process the one caveat I'll say is that for parents who are dealing with any type of what we call a high-intensity conflictual spouse. Mediation oftentimes doesn't work. Okay. But even at that, the goal would still be to do your best to find the least litigious route that there is. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good. Um, okay, <clears throat> next question then. So for parents who have decided... Uh, to separate, they decided that divorce is the next step, but they need to break it to their kids. What would be um, some recommendation recommendations that you would have for them as they go about 
informing mm-hmm. their, their children? Good question. And I want to make it clear that I've learned from other colleagues who have worked with this, have more experience in this area, how best to talk to kids about this. And I'm going to warn parents who are in the position right now of either considering separation or divorce or in that process that some of these best practices sound very counterintuitive and they require a tremendous amount of sacrifice in terms of what one feels that they may be entitled to sure or justice Mm -hmm. the recommendation is that even in those cases which is often the case um, where one person has initiated the divorce one person wants this divorce more than the other we always recommend that where parents can they communicate together Mm -hmm. to the children okay because it's important that kids see that mom and dad are working together yeah and that sets the tone for the rest of your co-parenting relationship Mm -hmm. and normally in that we we ask typically recommend that that communication be written so parents have a script and again that might sound very inauthentic but the reason that script is important is that when parents emotions are high especially for the parent who did not want this divorce it's very easy to go off script yeah Mm -hmm. and so communication should be simple it should be very clear and parents are making, they are owning the decision together, we are getting divorced. The temptation for many parents is that they want their kids to know, I didn't choose this. Your father chose this or your mother chose this. And we ask and tell parents that that needs to be off the table when communicating this to children. Um, and, and as kids get older, middle school, high school, I mean, I think a lot of kids might have a sense of if there's fault, where fault lies, who wanted this, you know, they're not dumb. Yeah. But for the most part, that still needs to be off the table. And that's really something that needs to be dealt with between um, a mom and a dad or soon-to-be ex-husband, ex-wife, not, not in front of the children. So there's a lot of details that kids, especially younger kids, shouldn't know, um, do not need to know. It would be harmful that, for them to know. And so I typically recommend to parents that in either that initial conversation or and beyond, that whatever is communicated about the divorce is very much titrated to their age and capacity to understand. But it is a co-owned decision in communication. Yeah. Okay? And that's, that's very hard oftentimes um, for parents to hear, but it, it is the best recommendation. The other thing that I recommend to parents is that in that communication, because kids have a thousand questions, and um, there are going to be certain things that at that point parents will know and other things they won't know. So for instance, if they don't know exactly, are you going to be living in two different places, or are you going to get to stay in the house and mom and dad will go, we'll get back to this in the, you know later in the, the podcast. Or will you be living separately or will you be living with either mom or dad in the house we're in now? Um, Kids have a lot of practical questions about that. And I always encourage parents, you share with your children what you know right now. 
you don't make promises that can't be delivered, Mm -hmm. but what they do need to know is that their needs and then some are going to be met. That's really clear, uh, I think, in the, the recommendations. The other thing is that it's so important, and I tell parents all the time, this will need to be communicated again and again and again and again. Children and of all ages need to hear this divorce is not their fault. Mm-hmm. And it is not their responsibility. So don't promise what can't be delivered. Stick with what you know. Keep it simple, clear. Make it a co-owned decision. Let them know they're going to have access to both mom and dad. Um, and make it clear it's not their responsibility. Yeah. Hmm, that's good. Okay, so they've told their kids we're getting divorced, we're, we're, we're separating. Um, now it's a little bit down the road. What are some best practices once it becomes a reality? Um, you know, down the road once the the divorce has been finalized, what are what are some best practices to help parents uh, help their kids navigate that? Mm-hmm. One dovetails on what we just talked about, and that would be it's very helpful and oftentimes important for parents to go back and reread their original communication. Mm-hmm. Because as things go on, especially when there are conflicts between parents, again, it's very easy to give into the temptation to throw one parent under the bus, kind of, like I said, to go off script. Yeah. And so that would be the first thing. It's, it's really the parent's responsibility to keep themselves grounded and be taking care of their own inner emotional turmoil so that doesn't play out or spill out on the kids. Mm -hmm. That's really important. The other thing that we know is that, um, you know, I unfortunately, we throw around this concept way too much that kids are resilient and that they're going to bounce back. And the reality is we all have resiliency, but kids are not as resilient as we think. Mm -hmm. There's something called the sleeper effect. And it seems that kids kind of roll with the new information Mm -hmm. and they roll with the changes and they they adapt on the front end fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes parents assume, my kid is resilient. But what we know is that normally a year to three down the road is when the impact or the effects of the separation or divorce really start making an appearance. Hmm. So acting out behavior. Um, In smaller children, anxieties, fears, behavioral difficulties. In middle schoolers and high schoolers, um, dabbling with drugs, um, with promiscuity, risky behavior, and, and a whole host of things. Does this mean that that happens for all kids and teenagers? No, but what we do know is we want parents to be aware, not to be fooled, by what looks like a quick adaptation to a new reality. Because it's normally not until a few years out that the reality really sinks in for kids and parents wanna be be aware um, of that. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, that we know is that at the beginning, parents may need, well, will need, 
to be much, probably much more available for their kids mm-hmm. okay. than they have been. Yeah. I would also say that where grandparents are involved in a very supportive role or other supportive adults, as much as possible, have everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, I've worked with a number of grandparents actually that really dislike the, the other spouse. Sure, yeah. And I kind of have to tell them the very same thing that I tell the parents. And that is you want to be supporting your grandkids' relationship with the other parent as much as possible. Um, And so that that would be important as well. The other thing is if kids are going between two places, another practical suggestion is that kids have enough of what they need both places. Okay. I remember um, a number of years ago poking through one of my kids' yearbooks and there was an article with like a full page eight and a half by 11 picture of a student at the school who I think was a junior in high school and she had the back of her trunk open and in it were all kinds of like storage drawers that would that covered the whole trunk and she made basically almost like a little closet or bureau in the back of her car Hmm. because she was so tired of having to pack a suitcase when she'd go back and forth to mom and dad's. Yeah. It was just a heartbreaking yeah. picture in an article, um, you know, a, a, about this about this young woman. But it's so helpful when when kids feel like they've got some their physical items that are necessary and important both places. Yeah. And especially when kids are little, typically speaking, the, the placement schedule is very brief both places so they're going back and forth a lot there's a lot of transition because they just aren't developmentally ready to be away from mom or dad more than a couple days at a time yeah as kids get older the length of stay is longer they start to have a little bit more choice and flexibility but that being the case it's important that kids have at least the basics that they need both places and i'd also add if it's possible some of the special things that they love at both places too. Yeah. There's another concept we'll get to a little bit later, you know, about some wisdom about having the parents change locations. Oh, okay. And keeping one place that the kids stay all the time. Yeah. You know, but we'll I'm gonna be getting to that towards towards the end. Yeah. For some resources. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. So what so one thing that I've thought of, you know, obviously there's the ideal um, separation, divorce, or whatever that might look like where both work together and think about the kids. What about the spouse that finds that um, the other parent is bad-mouthing them, talking bad behind their back, picking fights, and just trying to create as miserable a situation as possible? Like, what advice would you have or, or what what thoughts do you have for, for a parent in that situation? Okay. And... I wish I didn't have to say this, but I'm finding, and I recognize that the people that show up in my office are probably more likely to be the people that are going through this. Sure. But oftentimes this this is the case. Um, so a, cu- a couple of things, well, a handful of things. Um, the first one would be, it's very, very important for the parent on the receiving end 
of the bad mouthing to have somebody they can talk to. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost impossible to deal with this in your own head or on your own. It's just too painful, Mm -hmm. scary, and frustrating. The other thing, a little word of warning to the parent that is in the position of throwing the other parent under the bus. Yeah. That there are actually legal ramifications for this. Okay. And even in court-ordered or recommended communication between parents. I mean, there are some parents that are so conflictual that they are not allowed, nor is it recommended, that they even communicate via text or voice-to-voice. They use they use a court-based um, um like software, okay. Family Wizard is the big one. And what happens though is that every single communication that goes between parents um, is actually monitored by attorneys, GALs, and any child specialists. Oh, okay. And so what this could mean is there's ramifications for both placement and custody. Yeah. Um, so that's just important for people to know. I think it's kind of a nice safeguard. I'm not trying to scare anybody out of bad behavior. Yeah. But the reality is the courts, the legal system, the process know that this is so damaging Mm -hmm. for children that there are some built-in laws and consequences if there's one parent that that is doing this. So the parent on the receiving end needs to have extra support. It's also important that that parent can listen to how their kids feel and what they think without confirming to the child that the other parent is really being a jerk. Yeah. Okay, okay. there's other words going through my mind, uh-huh. but but I'll just leave leave it at that. So be able to acknowledge and validate, yep, this is really hard to hear this from mom or dad. I understand why you'd be confused, why you'd be angry. Thank you for sharing with me your anger or confusion. Um, and then it's very important that that parent directly addresses it with the other parent to keep your child out of the middle. You know, parents that are on the receiving end of being thrown under the bus, oftentimes they're just terrified that their child is going to believe or buy into what the other parent is saying. Mm -hmm. They're afraid that this is somehow, again, if there's been a lot of litigation, that this is gonna go back to an attorney, um, that it's gonna be used against them legally and I'll say that the majority of the time that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really takes a lot and a lot of evidence um, for a parent to lose custody or a lot of placement. Yeah. And so that parent need again, that place of support is is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the another the other parent who's really being the jerk <laughs> is at their worst. It's also important to support your child's relationship with that parent okay. where that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I also know like today, this podcast, what we're, what we're not going to talk about are situations that it's actually very harmful and dangerous to allow your child to even have, for the child to even have access to that other parent. Yeah. But many times that's not the case. It's just this other parent is really trying to stir up trouble. And it, we still want that the parent to be able to be supportive of the relationship with that other parent while acknowledging the pain, anger, confusion, frustration that their child is having with that. Um, And then again, 
directly address it with the parent. When I, you know, I'll, I'll just mention some resources off the top of my head for parents in this situation, but this is where, honestly, there's some very good local um, in every county co-parenting classes and coaching. If there's one parent that's really causing trouble, they will most likely be mandated to go to a co-parenting course anyway okay. with their, you know, the other parent. Um, but they can, this can be a really good resource, mm-hmm. coaching and, and some of these co-parenting classes. Um, then the last thing I'd say is, you know, worst case scenario, but it's good to know that it's an option. There are some, some parents where the conflict is so intense that the wisest thing to do is engage in what we call parallel co-parenting. Well, it's really parallel parenting because it's not co-parenting. Okay. The ideal is co-parenting where rules, expectations, things that kids need remain the same mm-hmm. with both parents. Yeah. But where you have one parent that just refuses to co-parent or cooperate, then we move to- towards a parallel parenting scenario. Okay. Where at mom's house, here's what we do at mom's house, here's how this is going to go. This is what happens at dad's house, um, but there's very there's no trying to work it through or get to any type of compromise because the process of trying to compromise is so intensely conflictual that the damage and the harm done isn't isn't worth it. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. So those are those are some recommendations. But man, support for the parent who's on the receiving end of that is really key because it's frustrating, it can be very scary, um, and really emotionally exhausting. Yeah, okay. Well, this has been very, I hope this has been very good, and, and um, I'm praying that parents listening to this have, have been able to, um, to really take some, some good um, thoughts and takeaways from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I let you go, do you have any last thoughts or resources uh, that you would recommend for parents that are navigating this? Yes. To any parent who's listening to this, you know if you Google any of this, you're gonna have more resources than you know what to do with. And and there's a lot of good things out there. What I would though warn parents about is that you will also have attorneys and family practice law firms that are reading your algorithms and kind of enticing you to get very litigious. Yeah. And you want to be aware of that mm-hmm. if you're going to do any Google searching. Um, the other thing that I mentioned is in every county, there are really good resources and a lot of them free of charge for parents because we know how important empowering co parenting and child centered separations and divorces is. So you could even just go to your, your county. Um, you can call two two one one is kind of like a clearinghouse. You'll get a person on the phone, voice to voice, who can also give you some resources as well. The other thing is there is a book that is called The Parent's Guide to Bird Nesting, a child-centered solution to co-parenting during separation and divorce. And again, this works in the ideal situation, but it's a very intriguing idea. Um, her name is Anne Gold. I think it's Buscho, B-U-S-C-H-O. And um, 
the concept here is that the parents are the one who bear the brunt of all the transition. And oftentimes they will keep the family home and then the parents will co-fund a little apartment. And the parents go back and forth to that apartment so the kids can stay home. It oh. is like the gold standard wow. or ideal of co-parenting. Mm-hmm. So it's worth the read. But the other thing is she also has, she's got a website, she's got a podcast, um, but she's got a lot of tips very similar to the ones that I, I gave and I've learned a lot from her. Part of this information is also also things that are on that are her recommendations that are just really excellent gold standards of being child-centered in your approach to this. And then, like I said too, finding attorneys that are mediators and honor the mediation process is very helpful. And those mediators typically are so well-resourced and equipped also to give parents what they need. So I guess the big thing is don't try to do this by yourself or be self-sufficient in this. Most parents need a lot of coaching, a lot of support um, to be able to do that. But those are a few of the good resources that are pretty accessible to most parents. Excellent, thank you. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link that book in the show notes. So if you are interested in that book, Um, you can find a link uh, on our podcast show notes to that book. And from there, I'm sure you can find some of those other resources that Jenny was mentioning. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been great having you on, sharing your your wisdom. And I'm sure there are many parents that are appreciating you giving us your time today. So uh, thanks for being here. And parents, just know that we sincerely are in your corner. We love Mm -hmm. you. We're praying for you. And Jenny is on staff now. So if you want to reach out to her, you can find her email on our website and obviously you can find mine there as well so if there's any way we can be supporting you praying for you or if you'd like additional resources uh, please reach out to jenny or myself or any of the pastors here at northbrook Uh, we want to walk with you uh, through uh, the ups and downs that come with uh, raising kids so thanks again jenny for being here thanks for having me john you bet Uh, thanks for listening to this parents and again praying for you and rooting for you as you continue to love and disciple uh, your children.